Would you open a Bible with me nearly to the end, back to Revelation chapter 12. If you will meet me there in Revelation 12 and put a little marker there, that is going to be our text for the morning. We will have a few other passages projected on the screen behind me. We'll take one detour a couple of times to the first book of your New Testament, back to Matthew chapter 1 and 2. But between Matthew 1 and 2 and Revelation 12, if you have that ready in an open Bible, you will be prepared to worship along with us using God's incredible Word. What a beautiful day and a beautiful opportunity that is ours to sing praises to this God who has been so good to us in so many ways. If you're following along with our daily Bible reading schedule, you know here over the course of the last few days, we've been in some, some challenging chapters. Our daily Bible reading has taken us to the last book of the Bible, and I, I heard from more than one of you a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's always a, a little challenging, maybe a little daunting when that rolling schedule takes us to this last of 66 books. We spent a little bit of time a couple of Sunday mornings ago looking at the big idea of Revelation 4 and 5. And I'd love to look with you this morning at the big idea, really five big ideas that we want to draw out of Revelation chapter 12. Undoubtedly, this book can be Challenging to read, challenging to understand, but at times as we read through it, we come to a chapter that, that just seems to be monumental, epic, big picture in its scale. And, and I'd suggest to you that's exactly what we find in Revelation 12. I wholeheartedly believe that if you'll read it along with me and think a little bit about what is being revealed to us. It will be encouraging to you. It will be challenging to you. And my prayer is that it will equip you for the week ahead. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1, we read, And a great sign appeared in heaven. That's not the first time we run across the idea of a, a sign. But that language is significant because signs are designed to show us things, right? And the word show, if you just look for the words show or sign in this last book of the Bible, you will see them all over the place. It is in the very first verse of the last book of the Bible. Revelation 1 verse 1. This is something that Jesus Christ in fact is showing God the Father gave him to show to his servants. We want to be servants of God. And God Almighty gave this to his Son to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. We, we heard similar language a couple of Sunday mornings ago in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 where John is telling us what he, by 
God's grace was shown. He, he records for us in Revelation 4 verse 1. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you. That is what is going on in this last book of the Bible. It is not human ideas. It is not human theories about what has happened in the past or what was happening in the first century or what would eventually happen in centuries to follow. We're not reading human hypotheses. This is God showing His servants. Things that we cannot always see with our physical eyes. Things we can't hear with our physical ears. Things we can't feel with our God-given bodily nerves. But they are no less true. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ. And so in Revelation 12 and verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Who is that woman? There have been lots of theories offered about who that woman is. In fact, if you'll keep your marker there in Revelation 12, I told you we would take a brief detour back to the Gospel of Matthew 1. Go with me from the last book of the New Testament to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. Who is this? Woman, perhaps it is Mary. We know that Mary gives birth to a male child who changes the world, right? We don't have to rely just on the sign in Revelation chapter 12. We can read all about her in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 when Matthew tells us now the birth of Jesus the anointed one, Jesus Christ. It took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord, the same Lord that we're hearing from in Revelation chapter 12, one of those millions upon millions of angels of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people 
from their sins. No doubt in Revelation chapter 12, we know who this male child is, right? We're going to hear much more about that in just a few moments. And so some, as they have gone back to Revelation 12, who is that woman? Maybe it's Mary, but maybe in the epic of God, it's even bigger than Mary. Maybe it is the nation of Israel because we know all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God had promised the forefather of this entire family line. Not only was he going to make of his family line a great nation and give that nation a land in which to live, but he was going to bless those who blessed Abraham and him who dishonors you, Abraham. God promises, I will curse. Listen to this. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It was a promise repeated to Isaac, Abraham's son. It was a promise repeated to Jacob, Abraham's grandson in Genesis 28, verse 14, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Who is this woman in Revelation 12? Maybe it's symbolic of the entire nation of Israel finally giving birth to the fulfillment of God's great promises. Maybe we could go back even earlier to page 3 of your Bible when Adam, the first man, and Eve, the first woman, were deceived and, and there were absolutely consequences for those sins. But God promised. He promised the woman, the first woman, Eve. I, I will cause strife. I, I will put enmity between you, Eve, and that serpent who deceived you. In fact, he's talking directly to the serpent in verse 15. I, I will put enmity between the woman and you and between your offspring and her offspring. The offspring that eventually comes from this woman is going to crush your head. Yes, you'll bruise his heel. You bite his ankle and do your worst. But the blow that he is going to deliver to you will be fatal. End of the story. Who is this woman in Revelation chapter 12? Could I encourage you not to get so caught up in, well, I've got to pick one of the three or, or, or something else. Rather, could I just encourage you to zero in on this one big idea. Eve, Eve played a part in God's great plan. The children of Israel, that entire family line, plays a role in God's good plan. Most certainly Mary, the virgin that we read about in Matthew chapter 1, plays a role in God's good plan. Here's the big idea. God had a plan and this is where it was all pointing because number two, we read about 
a dragon of all things. Go back with me to Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. There was a sign that appeared in heaven in Revelation 12, verse 1. Now, verse 3, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his head seven diadems, seven crowns. The tail of this dragon swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. We don't have to speculate all that hard at all as to who this dragon is. Look down at verse 9. The great dragon, he's described in verse 9 as that ancient serpent from Genesis 3 who is called the devil and and Satan, the, the accuser. He is the deceiver of the whole world. In verse 10, he's described as the accuser of our brothers and sisters. Who is this dragon? Well, undoubtedly, John, with the help of this angel and ultimately the help of the Lord, is trying to under, help us understand we're, we're dealing with something much bigger than what we can see with our physical eyes. But I need you to go back with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. Because in Matthew 2, we don't read about a, a dragon flying over the city of Jerusalem or the region of Judea or Galilee, what we read about is a a king, a a regional king known as as Herod. He, He liked to be acknowledged as Herod the Great. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, we're told by Matthew, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? But they're asking the king of the Jews. And the existing Herod king of the Jews doesn't take kindly to, to hearing that, well, we, we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. And so Herod gets all of his wise men together. They know where the, the Lord's anointed one is supposed to be born. He, he hears that it's in Bethlehem. You skip down with me to Revelation or Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, that that father of Jesus in a dream. And he said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod, that king in Jerusalem, is about to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose, took the child and his mother, Mary by night, departed to Egypt, remained there until the death of Herod. Look down at verse 16. 
Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. I want you to remember that word. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Can you imagine... This week, in this part of the world, be, someone being so furious, someone in a high position of authority being so furious that the command comes down, all male children under the age of two had better be dead by the end of the week. Matthew tells us this was fulfilled. Words of the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah. Can you imagine the sound of the weeping? Can you imagine the loud lamentation that would be heard all over? A, a woman weeping for her children who refuses to be comforted. Because they are no more. We don't read about a dragon in Matthew's historical account. But what Revelation is helping us to understand is, well, Herod the Great does his worst in the early first century. But you need to understand there is more going on than you can see with your physical eyes. What the Holy Spirit leads the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 verse 12 to describe as the rulers, the authorities, the, the cosmic powers who are over this present darkness. There are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And what Revelation 12 is trying to help us understand is, listen... People can be used by the deceiver of the world. That, that deceiver is real. The accuser is real. The evil one prowls around like a roaring lion. Or, or here in Revelation 12, like a giant red dragon. And he's not able to force people against their wills. If their wills, however, are set on themselves, maintaining what they have, their own power, their own authority, their own prestige, their own reputation, whatever, whatever it is, if I have a heart for doing whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, in whatever way I want to do it, listen, the deceiver of the world can use me to accomplish his wicked purposes. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 12 where we read about a baby. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 5. That woman, here is, is the dragon poised to devour the child of this pregnant woman. Verse 5, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. 
Keep your hand right there. Go back with me one more time to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1 this time. We left off in Matthew chapter 1. We last read verse 21. The, the angels promise to Joseph that Mary will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And even here, Matthew helps us. All this took place, verse 22, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. 700 years before this is happening. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means God with us. End of that chapter tells us, Joseph, Mary, they do exactly what the angel tells them to do. They call that newborn Male child Jesus. And here in Revelation chapter 12, if you go back there with me, Revelation chapter 12, this woman does give birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations. All the nations with a rod of iron. Language coming straight out of Psalm 2. Where a thousand years before Jesus was born, the question is asked, why do the nations rage? Why do those humans in positions of authority act as if they can disregard or somehow overthrow the authority or the plan or the purposes of God? No, God is going to raise one up, Psalm 2. In fact, he's, he's going to call him my son. And that son is going to rule with what? With a rod of iron. And in Revelation chapter 12, whatever the dragon tries to do, he is unable to do it. Her child, Revelation 12 verse 5, was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,200 years. 60 days. Here's the big idea. No thing, no one can defeat God's purposes. Are there dark days and darker nights and really difficult seasons and heartbreaking years? Are there, there decades of exile and slavery and an unimaginable heartache most certainly they are but listen from cover to cover no thing no one can defeat God's good purposes so let's end in Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 where we read now war arose in heaven the dragon has tried to devour that male child and is unsuccessful. Now war breaks out in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back 
But that dragon is defeated. There was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard, John tells us, a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his anointed one have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Who accuses them day and night before our God? And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved their lives, not even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Why? Because God had a plan, and this is where it was all pointing. And yes, there were men and women throughout history who were used by the deceiver, but no thing and no one can defeat God's good purposes. Undoubtedly, the message sent to earth from Revelation 12 and the rest of the book is, heaven's throne is still occupied and not by a deceitful dragon the dragon was thrown down now in heaven there is such great rejoicing but verse 12 woe to you O earth and sea for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because big idea number four he knows the devil knows that his time is short which leads us from the woman to the baby to the dragon to war in heaven to war on earth. The dragon, verse 13, knowing that his time is short, sees that he had been thrown down to the earth. He, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Strange, vividly imaginative language. Don't, don't get lost in the word picture. Understand the big idea. No matter what the adversary does, he cannot overthrow the purposes of God. And so in verse 17, he became... What word was used by Matthew to describe Herod the Great? Furious. The dragon became furious with the woman. And went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. On those who keep the commandments of God. And 
hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. We're going to land the plane right there. You follow along with our daily Bible reading. This is the chapter you'll read tomorrow. You want to happen? know what happens next? Open your Bibles with us on Tuesday. Read Revelation chapter 13 as this incredible, God-shaped, vivid tapestry unfolds. But for our purposes this morning, I want you to take away this big idea number five. God's people need faith. And God's people need endurance for a little while. In fact, you, you peek down at Revelation 13, the last line of verse 10. Here is a call. God is calling for the endurance and faith of the saints. Meanwhile, we can no. And if there is one word I would love for you to turn around in your head for the rest of the day and the rest of this week, is that word, no. Yesterday morning at this time, I was doing a little bit of news reading. I didn't know, you didn't know whether or not the government would be shut down this morning. From what I hear, we've got another couple of weeks and then we'll do it all over again. God's kingdom isn't like that. God's kingdom isn't frustrated. God's kingdom isn't running in the red. God's kingdom isn't running on fumes. God is on his throne. And more sure than the rising of tomorrow's sun. I want you to listen to me. You do not know. I do not know that the sun will rise tomorrow. But I do know that God's son rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. And it is the ultimate proof God wins. For a little while, God's people have to exercise great faith And God's people have to hold on with great endurance. But the great message of Revelation chapter 12 is you can know God wins because of the blood of that lamb that we heard about. Because of that blood of the lamb that, that we noticed a couple of Sunday mornings ago that gives us access to God's throne. And we're not just talking about something that happened a long time ago that really, you know, maybe we can be idly curious about, but has no real bearing on our lives. No, in Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, John sees people around, not angels. Angels are there around the throne of God, but John, John sees people. Who are these people that somehow have access? They didn't have access on on the earth. Many of them were killed 
by those in positions of great authority because of their faith. They endured to the point of giving their own lives and now somehow here they are around the throne of God and they're clothed in, in white robes. And John wants to know, how can someone get in on that? And the answer is clear. These are men and women who have had their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. And however tough life on this earth was, God wins. And however life may be very, very tough on this earth, if you're on God's side, if you're on the side of the Lamb, you share in that victory. And so we're going to stand and sing asking you, don't you want to share in that victory? Don't you want to go to this land where those who are heaven-bound are going? Don't you understand that God has done what is necessary in order for you to have access? We've reflected on it all morning, that God's own Son gave His life, shed His blood for sinners. You're a sinner. You're in the right spot hearing the right news. God's Son gave his life for you. When people were asked or did ask, what do we need to do? They were told, you can't live like the dragon. You, you can't have a heart set on evil and selfishness and deception. You've got to turn from those things. But if you'll be buried in the waters of baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. God wins, and you can be on his side. Don't you want to be a part of that? If we can help you in being a part of that, if we can pray with you, for you, if we can be of any help this morning, would you let us know how we can help you by coming to the front of this room while we stand and sing together?